0: You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 26. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your encouragement and your positive feedback. I really appreciate it. Today I want to talk about quitting. I've been thinking a lot about the subject lately, and the main reason is I joined a Facebook group of veterinarians recently, and I thought it would be a great place to encourage people in our profession, share some of the life coaching things that I'm that I've learned and I'm learning. And um, I've been really disturbed by the number of people in our profession that are feeling so helpless and so hopeless that they're considering quitting. And after all the education that we go through, even the people that aren't veterinarians that are in our industry, they go through so much training to become good at what they do. And the fact that they're thinking about quitting at all is disturbing to me because you know that I think we have the greatest profession. We've spent a lot of time getting here and we do such amazing work that I don't know why any of us would want to quit. It's difficult at times to do our job, but it is so rewarding. In fact, uh, yesterday at work, we had some little tiny newborn kittens come in And fortunately for me, one of our technicians was really enthusiastic about wanting to raise these little bottle fed three little baby kittens, just seeing that we can help these orphaned kittens survive and that these kittens will most likely, because my technician is so fabulous and I know she's going to raise them well, they will be amazing little pets for somebody someday when we get them to a good age where they can be adopted and that is just something that not everybody can do. Everyone doesn't have the talent to rescue small kittens and save lives. And that's something that we get to do. And so as a profession, when I read people talking about how horrible their day is and how they're at their wit's end and they just can't take another day of being a veterinarian or being in this industry, it really upsets me and makes me sad Because I think we get to choose how we think about all these things. And I wish that I could get everybody to choose a more positive outlook. And that's why we're talking about this today, because I really don't want to see anybody quit. We've talked about failure in the past on the podcast and how failure is beneficial in our journey to self improvement. When we fail, it's basically a lesson and how we can do things better the next time. And it helps us learn and it helps us grow. Failure doesn't mean that anything has gone terribly wrong. Failures are usually signals to us that we are growing and we will sometimes be uncomfortable when we have a failure and we'll want to beat ourselves up internally, but it's not necessary. If you look at a failure as something to grow from, And to learn from and that failure is something that all humans have to endure then you can take lessons from these things rather than these small failures or even big failures so sometimes i know some of you have had big failures but you get to choose if you're going to push this towards quitting and so that was one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it and i know you're out there saying Julie, when veterinarians fail, things have gone terribly wrong and animals can die and clients can get angry. That's why we can't fail and we have to be perfect. In my mind, having a failure doesn't mean that anything's gone wrong. We know that that's what we signed up for, that is part of the deal. So trying to be perfect. And never have a failure or never have a mistake made in your life or your practice life it's not practical and it's not possible so we have to give up some of that perfectionism that we like to carry around we're human we are going to make some mistakes the key when making mistakes and having small failures is not letting those define you and realizing that it's just part of the deal And then deciding, taking your brain that you're in control of and deciding how you're going to let this failure or how you're going to let this small mistake or even big mistake affect you. Uh, I found a quote in one of uh, Brooke Castillo's writings, and I've mentioned her before on the podcast because she is an amazing life coach and I have learned tons about being a life coach from her. And this quote says, your past successes and failures don't predict your future successes and failures unless you believe that they do. So this whole topic of quitting revolves around successes and failures because so many people are believing that they are going to have to quit our profession because they feel like failures or they've made a mistake or a day hasn't gone the way they want it to go or many many days haven't gone the way they think they should but this quote is so true because it says unless you believe they do it's all about what you believe and i can't stress that enough it's so important when we're thinking about quitting anything that you're thinking about quitting the main reason that we usually think that we want to quit is because we feel like we're not perfect at it or we're not enjoying it or we're never going to get any better. And that is just a belief. I am not the best cook. I kind of stink at cooking. My husband knows this, and he married me anyway. My kids know this. Consequently, my kids have turned into amazing cooks, and also my husband has always been a better cook than I have. So I'm just not the best cook. But that doesn't mean that I should quit cooking. If I don't try, if I don't try recipes, if I don't work at it, then I'm never gonna get better at cooking. Now that's not a super important goal. I don't really have to be a good cook, but I get to decide when I cook something and it's a failure, whether I'm just gonna quit cooking altogether or am I going to continue to attempt to cook, continue to move forward with cooking, in order to get better at it. Now, the one thing I am really good at cooking is eggs. I have practiced it for years. I know exactly how to fry an egg. I know how to flip it. I know how to boil eggs to perfection. I know how to scramble eggs. That is something that I can do. And the reason that I can do it is because I didn't quit cooking eggs. The first time I messed them up and believe me, I've messed them up many times. If I want to be better at cooking eggs, I can't quit. I have got to be committed to cooking those eggs every day or every week. And I have to be committed to perfecting that process. If I were to quit, I would never get any better at it and I would never get to eat any eggs. And wouldn't that be tragic? Now, for those of you who are vegan out there, I can think of a better example. It would probably be tofu. I'm not very good at cooking tofu, for sure. And I've tried because my sister's a vegan and my son's a vegetarian. I definitely have tried cooking tofu, but I haven't quit cooking tofu. I have worked at it and I'm getting better, but I'm not great at it. But the eggs, I got those down. So I'm using that as an example of anything in life that you want to get better at, quitting is not going to serve you. And the reason I'm talking about eggs is because I want us to see that quitting can become a habit, especially when we're doing something difficult, like working in the veterinary industry. Quitting little parts of our job, checking out mentally, not showing up for people, not being compassionate or, or dropping your compassion because you're trying to protect yourself. Those are all forms of quitting. And every time you quit something, even if it's a small thing, it gets easier and easier to do because you're training your brain to think that quitting is okay. Now, in some instances, if you say, well, what about quitting smoking? Or what about quitting Sugar in my diet, or what about quitting good things? I'm talking about quitting on yourself and letting yourself down with a goal that you have set. When you set a goal, even if it's a small goal, you think about what it is exactly that you want to do, and you don't follow through and you quit or you give up on yourself, then that can become a habit and it can get easier and easier to do. The opposite is also true. If you don't quit and you keep taking little baby steps towards any goal, eventually you're going to conquer that goal. You're going to take little steps towards the goal. So quitting can become a habit. And if you're justifying it to yourself by saying, well, I'm quitting because I don't have time, my job's too stressful, I've got two kids at home, it's really difficult. Some of us get so good at making commitments and then quitting. You're basically quitting on yourself. You're taking that commitment that you made and you're not honoring it in your mind. And now because all these hard things are coming up, you're not going to follow through. My argument is that that little tiny quit that you just made is going to make it easier the next time something comes up that you want to follow through on. And it could be something important. It could be something like going for a run because you need to exercise. It could be making yourself a healthy lunch because you're so busy. You, you come up with an excuse that you can't do that. There are little tiny commitments that we make to ourselves every day that if we don't follow through on them, we get into this quitting habit and it's really destructive. I've been there. I'm tired or or I've got something else to do. We'll put something else in the place that we think is more important. But every time you do that, every little bit of commitment that you don't follow through on can cause your brain to get into that habit. And then every time something's difficult, your brain's going to want to quit. Now, remember we talked about that little primitive part of your brain that's constantly wanting you to be comfortable it's constantly wanting to you to escape from hard things and bad things. We've talked about that before. That little pea partier primitive brain, and I sometimes call it the chihuahua in my head. That little scared, freaked out dog in the middle of my brain makes me want to quit because I want to stay comfortable. I don't want to step out of my comfort zone. Even starting this podcast, I felt like that. It was scary. If you remember that, that you're going to have fear, it's a common part of your life and it's normal. Your brain's going to throw it at you. Your brain's going to try to protect you by staying comfortable. When you hear that little nagging chihuahua in your head tell you it's time to quit, that's when you need to get strong. That's when you need to take that higher part of your brain, that prefrontal cortex part of your brain that's in charge of that little chihuahua brain and tell it that you're not gonna quit. Tell it that you can handle this. It's a hard day, but I can handle it. I've done this before. That's what you have to remember is you're always gonna to wanna to quit. You're always gonna to wanna to back out when things are rough and things are scary. If you're going into a surgery that you've never done before, that little primitive chihuahua part of your brain is gonna be like, you can't do this. You've never done it before. You better not, you could get into trouble, but if you can take charge of that part of your brain and push through and take the steps needed to do a good job in whatever scary thing you're going to undertake, the surgery or the, you know, angry client or whatever it is that's standing in your way of being a great veterinarian, you can take hold of that and tell that quitting part of your brain that you're not going to quit. And that failure and imperfection doesn't scare you because that's what that little chihuahua will say. Don't listen to that. That is the part of your brain that you need to master. And that's what this is all about. That's what coaching and and coaching and self-coaching is all about. And that's why we're here. If you can master the discomfort of the negative thoughts and master the discomfort of failures and the past failures we want to go back in our brain and think of all the mistakes that we've made in the past don't you feel it when a case comes in that you have either misdiagnosed in the past or had problems diagnosing in the past and a case comes in and you're really you really start to feel fear because you remember you know i had this vomiting dog before and i missed the foreign body and i didn't read the radiographs correctly or the people didn't listen to me and do what i said and the dog didn't do well or some big story in your brain in fact i have a story like that from this week so let me tell you that because i think it will help you understand where i'm trying to go sometimes i know i get off track this client of mine has a nine-ish eight or nine month old puppy that they've been bringing to us since it was small and recently it's developed some skin problem it's got some hair loss around the eyes some lesions just kind of little pustules it's got some stuff inside its ears it doesn't look quite quite right it's itchy Um, it's itching at its ears the the ear flaps are a little thickened so this dog comes in with these symptoms the clients that own this dog are super nice people, but kindly, I guess the word that I have for them is very concerned and very interested in what's going on with this dog and not interested in having a, an ill dog. They Their last pet was, had a very serious illness and that's why they got this new puppy because they lost their other pet and they're really not excited to have another sick dog. So let's say they're just very concerned. That's the way I'll describe them. Anyway, they came in the first time with this dog that had the skin lesions around the eyes, on the ears. Everything else looked pretty good. No lymph nodes involved. Nothing that I could see. So I talked to them a little bit about what this could be. It could be allergies. It could be demodex mites or mange. It could be scabies mites. It could be strangles we talked about, and just went through the different things that it could be in a young dog like this. And you know, with a skin problem, it could be just about anything. And so we talked about, we talked through all the options about diagnostics and what we were going to do. So we decided at that time to just skin scrape it, look for demodex, look for scabies, see if we could find anything, treat the puppy with some um, revolution just in case to cover us. And then treat the lesions with some antibiotics and just some basic treatments after we did some basic skin tests. That was fine. They went home. The dog was was doing well. Uh, it came back. Um, it got a little better. Then it wasn't getting 100% better. So they brought it back and saw one of my colleagues and she saw the puppy. And I guess his skin looked about the same as when I saw it, maybe a little bit worse because the clients had kind of stopped the medication but not come back in right away and then um, she thought one of the lymph nodes was a little bit big and she called me in and I looked at it and I said yeah I said maybe this is strangles he's a little bit older than most puppies that get strangles but it could be so we talked about that and you know we could diagnose it with a skin biopsy but the clients didn't want to do that so we decided to just treat it so we treated it with some steroids and some antibiotics again And the puppy got better when it was on the steroids. And then a few weeks later, the clients quit giving the steroids. They ran through the prescription. A few weeks later, here they are back again. Same problem. Problem around the eyes, the ears, the lymph nodes were fine by them. The dog's still acting fine. He's a little itchy. So now I go, I see the clients this time. So I go in the room and the husband's kind of mad. He already told the technician that we misdiagnosed the dog. And so the, the technician warned me. So I thought, all right, well, here we go. Let's see what this is all about. So when I went in the room and started talking to the clients, they were like, you know, we really think you misdiagnosed the dog the first time. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you put it on antibiotics saying it, it might just be an infection But the next time we came in, the other doctor said it was strangles. And we think it's strangles because we looked it up on the Internet. And I said, okay, that's valid. It very well could be. I said, but I did tell you that it has to be a biopsy. And I think we told you that a couple of times and you wouldn't let me biopsy it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We don't have a diagnosis. We don't have a diagnosis because you didn't allow us to get a diagnosis by doing a biopsy. And really at the time, we didn't think it was that necessary because we, you know, the puppy wasn't in that bad of shape. But now it's the third visit. We're still having problems. Maybe we should do a biopsy. Well, they were a little bit rough with me, just kind of a back and forth. Well, we want to know exactly what this is. And I said, well, the only way you're going to know that is to do a biopsy. And they didn't like that answer. So I said, well, let me call my friend who is a dermatologist at one of the local specialty practices, who is a lovely woman. And so I left the room and I went and called my friend, the dermatologist, and being the lovely human that she is, she came right to the phone and listened to my story about this puppy and what I told her, you know, I kind of think it strangles, but he's a little bit older and not really sure. And she said, well, she said, you won't be sure unless you biopsy. And I said, I know. I told the clients that they want to know what it is, but they don't want to do a biopsy. So I, I was actually saying to this friend of mine, I'm like, can I just send them to you? You're the dermatologist. I'm going to send them to you. You can deal with these people because they're a little bit difficult. I'm, they're frustrated. I understand why they're frustrated. I feel like I'm getting frustrated with this case. Not that they're making me, but I'm starting to feel some frustration around this. And I would like to just send them to you. Well, this friend of mine, the dermatologist, she's so cute. She's like, well, they're not going to listen to me any better than they're listening to you. So you need to go back in there and tell them the dermatologist said that you're doing everything exactly right. And what I want you to do is put them back on the steroids, put them back on the antibiotics, biopsy them if you can and get that done. And let's find out what this is, because we're not going to know unless they let you biopsy. She said, right. And I said, right. So she made me put my big girl panties back on and go back in the room and talk to these clients. So long story short, I talked to them that visit about biopsying. They still didn't want to do it. We tried more steroids and antibiotics. The puppy got better for a while, came back again. Fourth time in, they finally let me biopsy. And the story goes on and on and on. But my point about that story is I I wanted to check out and quit. I wanted to send them to the dermatologist because I wanted to get myself out of this uncomfortable situation. They pushed me. They told me I misdiagnosed, but I had to realize that I could have felt like I failed. I could have felt like I did something wrong. Had I just gone with what they were telling me and I could have quit. I could have easily said, I'm not seeing these people anymore. I don't want to deal with this dog anymore. You have to go to the dermatologist. But after talking to the dermatologist and getting a little dose of my own medicine about positive thinking, I went back into the room and I talked to the client about the options. And on and on and on, but this puppy is doing well now. And you know, I don't I don't need to tell you the rest of the story. I know that you guys deal with stuff like this every day, and I know that you frequently want to quit because clients push you and accuse you and say things to you that aren't true. And sometimes it feels bad. My job as the veterinarian is to manage my mind. And so I have to move forward being perfectly happy with their choice as the owner's because it's their pet. And if they have to come back to me six or eight times because they won't follow my recommendations and won't let us get a proper diagnosis, then they're gonna to have to come back six or eight times. That doesn't say anything about me and it shouldn't make me feel like I wanna quit. When something like this happens, your job is to not let those past experiences with certain people and certain cases affect what you're gonna do moving forward. So here's what we need to do to stop quitting and stop thinking about quitting. The first thing I want you to do is manage the past failures. Manage your mind around those. If you've made a mistake, accept it as a learning experience, you might believe that that past circumstance should have been different. Let it go, take it as a learning experience, Because that's how we learn and that's how we get better. It just means that we're human and we're not perfect. So that's the first thing that I need you to do. It is there for lessons. You don't need to live there because if it should have been different, it would have. So the fact that it was makes it true and you have to let that go. So learn from the past, but don't live there and don't hang on to it. When you accept your past, then you need to manage that discomfort around it because you're going to feel uncomfortable when something happens. You're going to feel uncomfortable when you're pushing yourself towards a new goal and you're uncertain. And so once you've let go of the past and worrying about that and you accept it as a tool towards your future, then the next thing you have to do is manage your mind deliberately when you have the desire to quit. So when you think about quitting or you think about running away or you think about bailing on a cer- certain circumstance like I did with the skin dog I was going to bail out and just send it to my friend the dermatologist when you think about that you've got to really stop and manage your mind around it you have to realize that it's your chihuahua brain making you afraid and making you want to quit so that's the second thing I want you to do is manage your mind the third thing I want you to do is really Look at your goals because if you have a goal and you've promised yourself that you're going to achieve a goal, it's your job to accomplish that goal. It's your job to manage your mind around the want and the need to quit and overcome that. Take little tiny baby steps towards that goal and that will help you overcome that feeling that you would like to quit. Using the challenges that come up along the way Using the mistakes and the failures, that will help you decide on the better path to the goal. Stopping and giving up is not an option. Looking at the mistakes and the failures and realizing that they're there for a purpose and a reason is going to help you let them go and then keep yourself from quitting. If your life in this veterinary world starts to become overwhelming and you feel like quitting, Reach out to somebody. All of us are out here. We're all willing to help. Many of us have been through many of the things that that you've been through. So if you feel like quitting and you're really having a hard time wrapping your mind around the management thing, if your Chihuahua in your brain is winning the battle, then it's your job to reach out. Talk to one of your colleagues, talk to a friend, talk to a coach or a therapist. Move ahead, work on understanding yourself and the way your brain works and work on getting better at controlling the things that are affecting you from your past, planning out the baby steps that it's gonna take to get to your goal and not letting the obstacles be big enough to spoil your dreams. And you have control over the way you look at everything. You're well on your way to becoming your best self. That's all I have for you today about quitting, and I'm sure we'll come back to it again because it's a big subject and I've got lots of stories, not just the cop-out dermatology story. I've got plenty where I wanted to quit or sometimes did even quit. I hope that something we've talked about here will resonate with you and help you on your journey. If you want to talk or you want coaching, I'm available you can reach me by email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com. I've always got free coachings to offer for you if you want to try a little bit of, of coaching with me. I also have my blog, my weekly blog that you can read. You can find that on blogger Julie Capel if you just search on my name. And like I said earlier, reach out to somebody. If it's not me, reach out to somebody in the profession. We're all here Get on the Facebook groups, talk to each other. There's power in all of us. There's power in our minds, but there's power in a group of minds. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. The more reviews we have, the better off we can get this information out to all of our veterinary friends. If you would like to talk one-on-one, send me an email. I'd be happy to do that. Have a beautiful week, everyone. I really appreciate you listening and don't quit. See you next week. Bye.